0: to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher. Tonight I'm talking with Octavian Graves. He is the host of the podcast Strange Dominions. Hello!
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: I'm good. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. Really happy to be here.
0: Excellent. So this is the second time we've talked. We were on a round table with Soraya, right? Yes, and Josh. And Josh, that's all right. So we've talked before, but we haven't really... Like talked with each other that much, certainly not right, on this I mean, podcast. On I did with show. you. Yeah. yeah, I was on your show, but you weren't on my show. I don't know what difference it really makes, because I just let people talk, so yeah. yeah, whatever. So what I think is interesting about your practice is you're very interested in the practice of magic, from a Western perspective, I assume?
1: Yeah. I, um... I mean, I I find the Eastern practice is really interesting, but it's so out of my wheelhouse that I just felt like I should start with, you know, what I know and what is accessible to me. Um, so I got started probably, I mean, I've been interested in the occult and the esoteric arts since I was a child at the same time as my paranormal interests, you know, my paranormal interests started the same time as my magic stuff started, um... But I had a real hard time getting into it. Um, I would try and talk to people that I knew, that I thought practiced, and I would ask them to show me and teach me and things like that. And they gave me this uh, very gatekeeping, if you don't know, then I can't tell you kind of thing. And that really um, pushed me away from it for a long time. Um, I still read about it and uh, you know, did art and music regarding it. Um, but I had had a, a psychedelic experience in the... Uh, spring of 2021 and it kind of gave my brain permission to just do it in any way that I could and um, I had started with Norse paganism and trying to find the magical aspects of that Um, and as I was doing that I started to see these correlations between um, you know Mythology in the Norse tradition and things that people experience in the paranormal on a day to day basis, and I kind of got disillusioned with the neo pagan or the Norse pagan world because it seemed like it was a lot more of a a culture, but the magic was kind of ignored or not really talked about. And I decided to get into ceremonial magic, which is uh, funny because of how uh, Judeo Christian it was, and uh, I spent most of my life pretty much. Denouncing all of that, um, but I found my way to to accept it. And um, as I started looking through the literature and the grimoires and things like that, I realized that there are a a lot of correlations between how the spirits act and appear with how certain people experience the paranormal, and that there are certain spirits that have the ability to um, that could be used to investigate the paranormal. Um, you know, spirits that can bring you this—you know, the dead—to speak with them or um, flush out demons wherever they are. Um, there was a lot of correlations to Bigfoot um, with the way that I had heard people talk about when they would see these spirits. How they would move seemed a lot like how people experience the weirder side of Bigfoot. Um, and so, I decided around this September of 2021 to start a podcast and I wanted it to be sort of like, because I don't know everything. I'm still like, I've barely even practiced. I've mostly been armchair, um, but I'm gearing up to practice. I'm doing a couple things here and there. I'm learning. I'm, I'm learning as I go. And I wanted it to be like for people who always wanted to get into it, but didn't know how I wanted to be like, I'm one of you, but follow me. I'll show you what I'm doing. And maybe that can help you get into what you want to do.
0: That sounds like a good idea. Interesting idea too. I didn't really intend to talk about magic on my podcast per per se, but then it happened. So uh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, I saw, you know, I saw how Timothy Renner of strange familiars was doing folklore and the paranormal. And I saw how Soraya from where did the road go was doing, uh, like consciousness and perception with the paranormal. And I was trying to figure out what my in was. And I had started getting into magic and, um, you know, hellier. I really enjoyed that show, and they had alluded to the idea of using magical practices to investigate the paranormal, and that inspired me. Um, and so I just said, Okay, well, this is going to be my thing. I'm going to be the bridge between the occult and the paranormal because a lot, it's strange how they're a- as close as they are, the people who experience both don't really want to intermingle. People in the paramo- paranormal are very hesitant about the occult and people in the occult kind of get bored with people in the paranormal it's a very strange dichotomy
0: yeah the 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 separation they act like it's oil and water like they right. don't mix but that's not true no. <laughs> they do <laughs> they do mix and they do have they you know all through history those two have been like this until about the 19th century i would right. say Probably started in the 18th century, honestly, with the Age of Enlightenment. Mm-hmm. I would say that's probably where it really yeah, started. I would definitely agree with but, that. But but then it got really big in the West with with the ceremonial magic, and it it parted ways. Mm-hmm. And when we we got into the practice of parapsychology, and they were trying to be all like scientificy, and and being all like, no, we're at Duke University. Yeah, And we're serious. We are
1: so right. serious. Right, they want to be official about it, and this stuff isn't, right. you can't really be right. official about it.
0: Yeah, and before that, there was the psychic research um, group in, in England, the PSR, that was so, I mean, that, they had a mathematician and a statistician. Mm-hmm. All of them were scientists of some sort, and man, the amount of evidence they have amassed... If it wasn't something like telepathy or uh, uh, any other of the psychic abilities, it would be written up in in every science journal. It would be accepted fact, you know, and that's from the 19th century on.
1: Absolutely. So they're still going today.
0: And they're still going. And, uh, you know, uh, the Rhine Center at Duke University, They were pulling out just the the amount of proof, scientifically proven stuff, is out there. But, you know, science, the the other scientists are kind of like, nope, 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 we don't see it. We don't see it. We're not going to see it.
1: It is my hope, and, and we'll get into this later about the fact that collecting evidence is not my biggest concern or my biggest priority, but I feel like, Um, the the circle is getting smaller and smaller around the more materialist scientific minds, if Mm -hmm. you know what I mean. I think that there's a lot more in academia that is very, very slow and very quietly, but Mm -hmm. still opening up to these stranger concepts and phenomena as a real fact. Mm.
0: And that I find to be absolutely fascinating. I feel pretty cool like we're in a in a generation to see this happen like you know live in person you know Mm -hmm. watch it happen as it goes um now i i will say me personally i have never really done things like try to interact with the paranormal phenomena that you know the weird crap that follows me around and does things i've never tried to do anything instrumental with it in fact for years i didn't even think of trying to take a photograph of anything yeah um because a lot of what i see are orbs and i know for a fact that most orb photographs are dust or bugs or droplets of you know water on the lens of a camera or it's a digital artifact. Mm-hmm. So I know all of those things. But it was like, I think it was last year, last spring. Yeah, it was. It was in 2021. I was like, you know, I want to know if these little light balls I'm seeing, are they in my mind? Or is there actually a photon of some sort out there doing something? So I took out my, cam- my, my phone And I would just try to, you know, I'd I'd pinpoint one with my eye, and then I'd look at it to see if I could see it on the screen. And I could. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. So I decided to take a picture of one, and I did. It didn't pick up the color. That was interesting. But what it did tell me, it did give me a piece of information, and that piece of information was it isn't something telepathically creating a light in your brain you know it is actually atmospherically out there there are photons honest to god floating around out there and blinking on and off why we don't know and that's all it actually told me now later i took a photograph of a of a it was a a concatenation a a conglomeration of a lot of lights And it was close to the ground. And I decided to just, you know, take a picture of it. And I didn't expect anything to come of it. The colors were a little bit off, but it looked basically like what I saw. And then I I decided, you know, I'm not going to delete that. But I'm not going to show it to very many people either. In fact, I'm going to not look at it. At that for a while I, I didn't even I didn't show it to Morgana until like a week later I said hey what's this look like to you and she's like glowing people I said okay there we go and she's like yeah mom don't show that to everybody you're gonna get in trouble with that and I said okay yeah okay but what that told me was even if the colors aren't right there is something there yeah what is it and I don't expect to show it to people and have them believe that they are seeing what I'm seeing. I expect them to debunk it. You know, so.
1: I would like to see it.
0: it. Well, I show it to people like on a one to one basis. Yeah. You no, know? Of <laughs> so they don't like, you know, because mm, if it's what I think it might be, I don't want to piss somebody off. I can just, I got to live here, you know, and they live in the woods behind my house, so I don't want to make them mad.
1: Oh, yeah, of course.
0: Uh, but yeah, I, I, in a way, I'm kind of like you in that I've been practicing magic since I was, oh, now I'm going to tell how old I am, uh, for like 41 years. So I've been doing stuff for 41 years on purpose. I would say I've probably been practicing magic before that, before initiation and and really working at it before that, when I was a kid, just kind of naturally and uh i don't see a problem with combining the paranormal and uh psychic research and you know all of that kind of stuff with magical practice or uh religious magical practice however right. you want to look at it yeah and it, it to me they are congruent they work together And they make sense together.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that we're seeing, um, I hesitate to say, like a a new era. But there's definitely a shift in the overall paranormal community. Because, I mean, I have two authors coming on my show uh, next month. And they've both written A Witch's Guide to Ghosts. Or A Witch's Guide to the Paranormal. And so... I remember Soraya had a guy on who actually had written a small book and he had him on the show about using ceremonial to investigate ghosts. So this I am not the first one to have this thought. I'm not the first one to to work on this theory. Um, but I think that it's it's slowly becoming more accepted and there and and with that comes the people who don't accept it are gonna get really, really loud about it. Oh they're not yeah. gonna want this out at all. They don't want this to be a thing because they don't agree with it, and they it makes them feel weird and it mm-hmm. ruins it for them,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah and again the the more scientifically minded people who think that their e m f readers and and all things are scientific um and and they are to some extent um i they're gonna get real mad mm-hmm. <laughs> they're yeah, just absolutely. they're not gonna like that, yeah. No. And uh yeah, that's uh I you know, it's just a thing. Pe- there's enough room in the the paranormal community for lots of different ways and methods of doing things. Yeah. So there definitely you know, is. And you
1: know. um for me, I was always jealous of the people who have had experiences, paranormal experiences their entire lives from a baby until, you know, adulthood um i was never anything like that anytime i had an experience it was because i had to go out and look for it and even when i looked for it i still didn't find it like it had i it was very rare i mean i've had my share of experiences that i cannot explain that i believe to be paranormal but they're uh you know i can count them on two hands whereas most of the people who are doing shows and writing books they'd have to have 20 hands and yeah to to uh, you know flesh out all of their experiences yeah i was ever like that and so i felt like well besides just going to these places and just kind of waiting for something to happen is there a way that i can safely bring it on myself and and kind of be the director and not just the audience and i've been finding that there are a number of magical practices that are for just that.
0: Right. Yeah, and and you know, even even the the sort of lighter versions of that kind of practice, like offerings and um that sort of thing works. Yeah. Um absolutely. and mm-hmm. Even though it seems like such a small thing, uh, you know, you'll notice that Tim will tell people, you know, if you're not going to keep up with it, don't start it um, because you're going to irritate whatever it is, you know, that you're interacting with. And I I would say that's absolutely the case. I I have been smacked in the back of the head, essentially, you know, Mm -hmm. by forgetting something that I promised to do. Right. Um, so, you know, it, it is, as Tim says, it is better if you don't, if you're not going to keep up with it.
1: Yeah. See, I already started, but the way that I've been doing it is I'm very specific about how not specific I am. So I do it on a weekly basis and I, I will say I will continue doing this on a weekly basis, but I never specify what day that gives myself a little bit of room.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, if I don't, if I do it on Monday last week, and i can't do it on monday next week i didn't break something i can right. still do it on tuesday and still fulfill my obligation
0: yes 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 um and and it it helps if you either stick with the same thing that you're offering or you make it sort of loose as to what you're offering mm-hmm. so that you can offer different things and so you know if you just happen to have tobacco in your pocket and that's what you got that's what you give you know or you have an extra apple and that's what you give or depending upon what you're dealing with you have some no cream but you have butter or you have no butter but you have cream you can you can give that and you're still fulfilling the the obligation without upsetting anybody
1: yeah and you can kind of make it your own Ritual if you want. I mean, what I do is I have uh, a set of practices that I do when I do just basic, you know, land spirit offerings and th- uh, three of the four things stay the same. That is charcoal, incense, a candle and libations. The food, the, the, you know, that will change. And I do that on right. purpose because I, I give out the food. I say my, my incantation, and then I say, like, listen, if you don't like this, now is your chance to tell me or come to me in a dream. Tell me what you do like. Let me know. So that way I can give you what you really want. Otherwise, I'm just going to have to keep guessing. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, yeah. I haven't really received, like, a concrete... I mean, I've received a lot of weird dreams, but none that I can decipher into a message. Um, so, I, you know, I'm still kind of doing my, my, my shuffle of different kinds of offerings to see what uh you know hits home but yeah there's definitely ways to do it that you fulfill your obligation and it, you still have some wiggle room it's not um ironclad
0: right yeah and that that's it's almost like a little safety valve in there you know so that you neither upset or offend the spirits that you're dealing with nor do you I don't know, force them to accept something, you know. So have you had communication in, in any way with,
1: with, with, with what you've been doing? Um, yes and no. If if I were just to say this to anybody, it would be a flat-out no. I have been doing offerings to my, you know, uh, I have a practice with Akate, and i do uh, i follow the moon cycles for the, my offerings to her and um i've gotten some results with that and so in that way i have had contact i guess not direct it's you know i do my thing she does her thing and then i get the result but there's no interaction right um but i'm i've been very hungry for some kind of very direct spirit uh, communication and so Uh, I had a friend of mine who was seeing this medium who I'm actually going to have on my show very soon. And he says, yeah, this guy is great. Like the things he was telling me, he, there's no way he would have known any of this. And so I went and saw him and uh, the, the, it it was a very interesting experience. The person that came through was either a friend of my family or, or a distant relative but they, for some reason, wouldn't give their name. And he was getting frustrated by that. And I I explained to him, like, listen, I'm not super pressed on a name because if you don't... And the weird thing is this guy knows nothing about esoteric practices. He knows nothing about mythology. He's a, The weirdest thing about him is that he is a medium. Um, but he doesn't know about true names and the power of true names and why you don't give your true name, uh, especially in the spirit world. So he was like, I'm sorry I don't have a name for you. I'm like, it's okay can this spirit tell me some ways that I can know that they're around or that they can make themselves known to me in their ability? And so he asked and the spirit supposedly gave him a couple answers and I've been keeping my eye out for those uh, manifestations and they have definitely come and I've noticed them more. Um, But as far as very, you know, I say something and then I get an answer right back. That hasn't happened yet. Still working on that. Um, But I do feel that I have been around spirits. I do feel that they have, they know of my existence. I think we're just trying to figure out what language to use to understand each other at this point.
0: That makes sense. You know, they, they don't very often answer straight, straight up directly anyway. Yeah. They, they, it's usually some, uh, (laughs) some sort of sideways. Answer. it's it's very seldom extremely direct. Mm-hmm. When it is, it is, and it it you know jumps out and smacks you in the back of the head, and you go, all right, okay. Um, but it's usually symbolic. It's usually a little bit sideways. You can have some really amazing information come out of mediums. I found, and um, people who do divination uh, by by spirits. Um, you can get some really—I mean, the most—the most amazing reading I ever had was uh, a voodoo priestess. Um, she's in New Orleans at the Rampart Street Voodoo Temple, Mambo Miriam. She must be in her seventies by now. Um, Best city in she, the
1: country. I, I desperately want to go back.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, she. She was at a the same pagan festival I was at in the 1990s, and I had recently ended up in a in a voodoo circle, worshipping and working with uh, Yemaya, Oya, and Ogun, and it was really strange to me, but. You know, as my husband said, where did you grow up? I grew up in the black section of town. Oh, well, yeah, okay. And he said, yeah, and your grandmother is, you know, mostly Cherokee, which means there's possibly some African American in there. And I said, oh, yeah, that's true. Okay, so it does make a little more sense. And uh, so I went to her, and she laid out a cloth, and she had bones and, and uh, cowrie shells and rocks and all kinds of little flinky things. And she held them in her hands and she made me put my hands outside her hands. And, you know, we, we rubbed them between our hands and then she threw them down onto the cloth and she looked at them. And then it seemed to me like she just looked at them for, I don't know, like seconds. And then she looked right up at me and she started telling me my entire life, like. Everything. The first thing she said was, I see two spirits beside you. You have one name from each of them. And then she described them. And she described my grandmother. And her middle name is my middle name. And she said, you know, one is tall and dark skinned. She wears her hair in a wrap like, like we do. She's not as dark as we are, but she's she's very dark. And she laughs a lot, but she's a tall woman. And I said, oh, I know exactly who that is. And then she said, and the other woman is a white lady, and she's very small and petite, and you have one of her names. And that was my dad's sister, who I was named after. In the African traditions, if you have the name of an ancestor, they, it forges a bond. So she described the, both of them absolutely to a T like I knew they were there. And she said, and you have a problem with your, with your family. You haven't spoken to your parents and there has been, you know, uh, bad things have happened to you through that. And your ancestors are working on it from the other side. Within a year, you will speak to your parents again. She was absolutely right. She was talking to me in July And then in November, right before Thanksgiving, my mother called and said, would you like to come to Thanksgiving dinner? And I was like, okay. And so, you know, my husband and I went and it was okay. We got to see my daughter Morgana. It was, it was wonderful. Uh, it was tense, but it was, it was good. And it was, it was pretty good. And, uh, So I started talking with my mother a little bit more, and I asked her, I said, you know, why did you call me? And she said, well, I looked in the mirror, and I didn't see my own face. I saw my mother's face. And I thought, oh, Parp was always her favorite. What would she think of me? And I was like, oh, my goodness. So that was my grandmother talking to my mother through the mirror. (laughs) and i was That's like great. oh wow
1: okay
0: mom <laughs> okay and then my dad had a similar conversation with his older brother a couple of months later where he said something to the effect it's just not the same without um barber here and uh my uncle looked right at him and said well whose fault is that he's like how do you think you know our sister would have thought of that you wouldn't have done that to her would you and so he's like no i guess not and so there was you know the two ancestors were doing their thing and i was just like completely amazed and kind of weirded out it was it was really strange but it, it you know it happened and yeah, uh, yeah it, it was just weird uh I didn't so know you, that
1: about the uh the two names thing cuz I am named after two different uh men in my family. Um that's a very interesting concept about you know that forges a bond between you and that ancestor.
0: Yes, and that's it's not just the African tradition where that is. Um in in the African tradition you're you're not supposed to name them after somebody alive necessarily unless there's just this lineage of the same name that just kind of Goes through a, a and you know goes through a family, but that's a different thing. Um, in the Jewish tradition, you don't name someone for an ancestor directly, but you name them with the first letter of the ancestor's name. So, well, my
1: family messed up then because I'm very Jewish and I have two direct names. They are the members but of my the, family.
0: Again, but that's that's one of those things. I mean, if if you're um if you're more of a secular Jewish family, that tradition is is not necessarily gonna be yeah. carried out. Um if you're you know again it and and I think it has to do with the with the various Jewish communities. But I learned that with my nieces, uh my husband's nieces. I w- I was like oh you know, because they said, well, we named her after, you know, our grandmother. And I was like, uh, that's not your grandmother's name. <laughs> and he said, no, no, no. It's just the first letter of the name. I was oh, okay, okay. That makes more sense then. Yeah. Uh, you know, my husband has a, a weird Jewish name because he's not named after um, anybody Jewish. His his name, he has two apostle names. Interesting. Uh, which were from friends of his father from college. So when I met him and he said, oh yeah, I'm Jewish. I'm like, wait, well, yeah,
1: you're,
0: <laughs> you're named kind of a little bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> he laughed. I said, okay, so you're named after the rock upon which the church is founded.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and yeah.
0: one of the, the four, the four gospels. So <laughs> he was like, Yeah, I can tell you used to go to church. I was like, yeah, I did a long time ago. So with spirits, um, you know, when you're talking about ghosts, what do you think ghosts are?
1: Well, so I make the, and I'm glad you said ghosts, because I do make a distinction between ghosts as the souls of dead people and then spirits as everything else. You know what I mean? Um so ghosts I mean I I would say that they're um human human souls that uh live on and and in some capacity whether it be conscious or or um residual um and that they do come about in our reality but I think it's a lot less common than we're led to believe and I'm not saying that what people experience as ghosts aren't always ghosts. Um, But I think there's a lot of things that mimic that. And I, and, Mm -hmm. and before I'll just say it, no, I don't mean demons. Um, I think that there's a lot, you know, as uh, Josh has talked about, you know, an ecology of souls an ecology of spirits, there's an entire ecosystem of um, incorporeal beings Outside of the angelic, demonic and human, yeah, and I think that they are much more um, terrestrial or exist much more on the terrestrial plane or near it than people realize, yeah, so I don't know if that answered your question
0: no, it did okay. i i I'm generally of the opinion that most ghosts aren't necessarily ghosts, yeah, um. I know. I the first one that I saw, like saw saw. Looking back on it, I think I'm more. There was a a time something or another. Time slip, time portal. Uh, two times were laying up against each other, and okay. we All could right. see through them. Yeah, because the the ghost could see me, and I could see her. Um, so she
1: was alive in her timeline. I think she was
0: she acted like a living person all I could see though was uh her outline like she was a a silhouette but she wasn't made of shadows she was made out of light okay so she was sort of pale and shimmery um but you know there was the I could see the whole outline of her I could see her hair you know with you know it was like It looked like 1930s, 1940s hair. It was like the little bob with the little curls on the side. And I could see the dress, you know, and the shape of the skirt. I could see it move as she walked. I could see she was wearing shoes that had heels. Uh, She made absolutely no sound. Um, But where she was, she was in this ruined house in the middle of the woods in uh, Roan County, West Virginia, and she was an interesting lady. She was my um, boyfriend's father's friend. So all the kids in the neighborhood she hadn't married would go and, you know, help her take care of her lawn or whatever and play with her. And she'd have them in, and she'd make cookies for him and whatever. And that was kind of her contact with, you know, the rest of the the world. But she, uh, she lived on this road that had no other houses. And then after she died, nobody did anything with the house. So the forest just kind of took it back. Right. And so there were trees growing up through it and, you know, the floors had caved in and there were animals living in there. You know, I saw saw a uh, raccoon's little head pop out of the middle of one of the sunken in floors. And, you know, it was, it was really interesting. I wouldn't go in. Um, The floors just seemed really unstable. Oh, yeah. Uh, Crazy boyfriend went in and walked up the stairs. And that's when I saw her because he was up there, you know, on the second floor, which I really thought was courting death. I thought it was stupid. Um, And I was just looking in a window from outside. And she came down the stairs and I saw her and I was like, am I seeing that? Am I seeing it? And then she sat down on the stairs and turned and looked right at me. And she was basically level with where I was. And she just, you know, put her hands on her knees and just kind of looked at me. And I kind of looked, and I guess we were kind of both kind of, you know, ducking our heads and trying to figure out what we were looking at. And I, I kind of waved and, and she kind of nodded at me. And I wonder if I looked the same to her. As she looks to me, like a little, like, filmy, see-through-ish sort of thing. But in the years past, I was like, you know, I really don't think she was a ghost. I think she was alive in her time. And there was something weird about the woods there that, you know, there was a slip.
1: That's something that I've really, I've been wanting to investigate for a long time is, is how, not just the spirits of an environment, but the actual environment itself. And what that does to us as people and the experiences that we have and how much of it is, is—is um, you know, how much of, of the experiences that we have is due to disturbances of the environment that we're in. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. But yeah. I that's mean, that's a very cool concept.
0: Yeah. That's what all those EM meters are for, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the theory that there's something that generates an electromagnetic field and that can either attract ghosts or they emit electromagnetic fields or they change our electromagnetic fields. There's all kinds of back and forth about that. I will say that um, living near really strong magnetic fields has always made me more apt to have disturbed Sleep and disturbed dreams. Um, because there's a, a power substation, not in this neighborhood, but the very first neighborhood we moved into in Athens. Okay. And, man, I barely slept there. You know, it was like three blocks from the house, and it, it's a pretty big place. So, it, you know, it it was pouring out all of this magnetic resonance. And uh, I didn't think about it until I read about... Uh, electromagnetic fields generating um, ball lightning and orbs and possible UFO-like things. And I was like, huh, I wonder if that's why everybody on the West Side here thinks we see ghosts all the time. Hmm. Um, and I had a friend who lived right across the street from the place, and and their house was just full of crazy stuff that just was not natural in any any way shape or form and also it makes you you know cranky and fidgety Mm -hmm. having your electromagnetic fields buggered with
1: yeah see i think that's one thing that another reason why i got into magic and specifically like witchcraft and traditional witchcraft is um i'm not that sensitive to this stuff like i just don't have like when i you know when I'm in an area with somebody who is sensitive and they can feel stuff. I'm looking around like I, I, nope, not saying it doesn't, it's not happening or it's not there. I just, it's not affecting me. Um, I tried starting a meditation practice to see if that would uh, lighten me up a bit. And, and maybe I'm too dense, my energy or or something like that. Um, And I thought, okay, well, there are these, spells and charms and ointments to see spirits and hear spirits and and feel them and so um that's another thing i look to magic for is is uh you know first connecting with the spirits and then seeing what they have to teach me about how i can experience them further how i can experience them um, more on their own turf if that will you know instead of shoving some electricity in their face um (laughs) You know, maybe there's a way that they'll let me talk to them in a way that they understand and are comfortable with.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, Have have you had any luck with, like any of the potion type not yet because that's all like i just
1: started to uh get into witchcraft and the concept of of spells and charms and ointments and things like that uh at the beginning of august so i've just been reading um i I have one book by robin artisan the the clovenstone workings which came out in 2020 Mm -hmm. and i'm very keen on working through the entire book because i've had a lot of people say that like the stuff in that book works If you do it right, it will work. And so, um, and you don't need, uh, there's not nearly as much preparation or um, need for physical items as there are for like ceremonial magic. It's kind of whatever Mm -hmm. you have around that you can use. You can still, you know, get into it that way so uh, I'm gonna be working through that book probably all of September and October and I'm hoping that might you uh, know uh, it's, it's very interesting because it is mostly from what I understand dream based uh, the spirits that that you're communicating with will be coming to you in dreams and then uh, my my thought is, so if they're coming to you in dreams and you can understand that and, and communicate with them that way, then maybe you can talk to them in dreams about how to experience them in waking life or something like that. Um, it's just an experiment that I'm very keen to try. Um, but yeah, so it's all very new to me, um, but it's one of the things that I'm gearing up for.
0: Yeah, I like Robin. I, I've always liked his, his writing. Yeah, I like very, his writing style a lot. He's very sensible. He always has been. And that's a thing I will say about witchcraft. Even, even the more stodgy types of, of witchcraft, the very traditionalist people who say, you have to have this and you got to have that. And we have the cords and the robes and the things and the whatnot. Um, most witches that have been practicing for a while, half the time they don't even use their tools. They just do things. And, uh, Robin, he was, he's always been that way. He has always basically said, you don't need all of the things. Those just help you concentrate your energy and make it go where you want it to go. Um, and, and that's, I've always, I've always liked that. Um, and, and also one of the things I'm like, I, I don't, I don't do magic unless it's necessary. So I'm, I'm kind of a, and I've gotten, as I've gotten older, I've gotten a lot more careful about it and I've gotten a lot more um, uh, circumspect. I just kind of like, well, do I really need to do magic for this or can I fix this problem with something else? You know, and so I, I just try to do, but even when I'm doing the, the you know, material world Thing that's gonna fix a problem, I still throw a little bit of magic y goodness into it and just to tip it over the top and, and make it work better. Um, but I, yeah, I really like his stuff. And uh I, I really like the way he he writes. He's very clear and yet poetic, which is, you know, usually you get poetic or clear, nothing in you know, in the in between. But I like him, he's both. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Have you tried... Have you ever tried programming your dreams?
1: No. I have uh, looked into lucid dreaming, astral projection. I actually just bought some mugwort and wormwood that I'm going to try and uh, use that to help with my dreams. Because I have crazy dreams, but I can never remember them clear enough uh, or remember to write them down. Um, So generally, I only get I only have like snippets of really big or important dreams that stay with me for a long time, but they're not in any kind of context.
0: Oh, that's got to be frustrating. Yeah, it is. Um, One of the things I learned fairly early on um, was kind of telling myself before I went to sleep over and over that I would have a dream and that I would remember it. I will have a dream and I will remember it.
1: I will have a dream and I'll remember it. See, maybe I have done that because I've tried doing like a, like an intention setting thing where while I'm laying in bed at night, ready to go to sleep, I just keep saying like, I will speak to a spirit. I will speak to a spirit. I will speak to a spirit. And you know, um, but yeah, that, that might be actually more useful is just to remember the dream and really put all your energy in just remembering whatever happens.
0: Yeah. Now, don't be surprised if the first, you know, dream that you remember all the way is something dumb, Mm -hmm. because that's, you know, usually how it works the first time. Um, But then if you keep keep at it and keep training, your brain is basically what you're doing. You're training your subconscious mind and it's an unruly beast. Subconscious minds are very unruly and they aren't terribly yeah i mean mine's tricksterish so i suspect everybody's is but once you get it going it's a lot easier after that and you you have to you have to always be positive with it so if you ever set intentions never set a negative intention like i won't forget my dream because it won't necessarily hear the won't it will hear the forget my dream so you have to be very very careful with how you word it but that's true of any magic that that involves an incantation or you just have to be really careful how you word it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The, the specificities are very important.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, the, the specificity of tools is less important. The specificity of intention and words is extremely important. And that, that goes along with spirits too. You just Mm -hmm. have to, yeah, you, you, if you ever ask a spirit for something, Work out the the words first and write yeah. them down so you don't screw <laughs> so you don't screw it up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the you know um, one of my missions is because I think that people who are doing magic they're experiencing the paranormal as just a, a symptom of successful magic, so they don't need someone telling them to like you know how to use their magic to talk to the paranormal. They know that. Yeah. My, what I want to focus on is for the paranormal investigator, the Bigfoot researcher, and the UFO researcher, how they can incorporate some of these things into their practice. And I want people to understand you don't have to be a magician or a witch to use magic.
0: Right. No, and, anybody can do it, truthfully. Yeah,
1: you know, I mean, I went into the woods. It was the first time I ever did it, but I did the headless right from the PGM. And I was expecting to get, I don't know. A knock in the woods or something like that, just something from the local spirits that are there, and then the next month I get nothing but Hikate synchronicities, and I start Mm -hmm. a practice with her, and you know it it was crazy. I wasn't expecting that, but um, I think that things like the Headless Right, uh, a simple spell or charm or, or you know ointment could go a long way to help a ghost hunter look for ghosts or you know a bigfoot researcher. Um, Doing more offerings with, instead of setting the offering intention as I'm going to contact Bigfoot, just set it as I'm going to build a relationship with the spirits that are here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I believe that Bigfoot is a spirit of the woods, but you don't have to believe that to get a result from that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't worked out how I mean, I know that there's a long history of the occult and UFO. I don't know enough about it or have experienced it in my own practice to to say, hey, UFO hunters, here's some magic for you. Um But that is something I'm I'm interested in in looking into down the line.
0: Well, you know, the whole Stephen Greer um uh you know, method of seeing UFOs or calling UFOs. All that is is setting an intention and calling a spirit. Mm-hmm. That that's
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's
0: exactly what it is. Um I, I was kinda like, hey y'all, I wouldn't have
1: charged you five thousand dollars for that. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm
0: just yeah. I'm just saying if you just asked me, I could have told you that.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, I don't know whether or not to be embarrassed by this or not, but the entire reason I even started meditating was because I heard about his whole system and i wasn't gonna pay for his whole thing oh good lord no but i was like well (laughs) i could probably learn to meditate so let's just see what happens. and you know i've heard a lot of mixed things about him whether or not he's legit or or not i don't really know what to make of him um i definitely feel that him needing to make a movie for every single one of his opinions is a little shady (laughs) but um you know
0: yeah (laughs) I shouldn't get... Well, yeah, it is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, the whole idea of teaching people to meditate for $5,000 and, you know, then they see lights in the sky, I'm kind of like, yeah, I could have just told you that. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, That's not um, anything, really. Um, it, it would be... Gosh. Yeah, that, that's... When I found out what he was up to, I was kind of like, oh, these poor people. Well, oh, well, I can't do anything about it. Um You know, but what uh, what interests me, though, is when people have spontaneous experiences and the way that they see it is so different from the way that other people see it.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um. You know, my m- one of my big things is the weird little lights in the woods. Mm-hmm. I tend to think that the weird little lights are in everything. They, you know, they're well, they they, they are, are. Yeah, and I kind of wonder if they're not just the sort of native form of whatever the other is, and then all the other forms kind of arise out of that my uh, that's my my theory
1: yeah no my friend luke who is um he's going to be like a permanent co-host but he's been my occasional co-host on a couple episodes he's been doing like traditional grimoire magic for 12 years and uh he and i were talking to timothy on my show and it was during a page a patron segment and timothy obviously he, i've known about tim and the lights for as long as i've known him and listen to strange familiars and uh, luke was also a is a big fan of strange familiars and and he knew about the lights, but he didn't know certain stories. And so Tim was telling a specific story about the lights at site seven. And after we got off the call, Luke calls me and he was like, um, so I don't know if I've told you this, but you know that that's how these spirits, like when they appear to me in the in, in the triangle, that's exactly how they appear. They appear, these, mm-hmm. these lights manifesting like yellow, green, blue, red. And then, the, and then, uh, they get, a, you know, he gets a full manifestation or a half manifestation, but it, it the, the lights, either uh, either the spirit shows up as lights or the lights, um, herald the spirits arrival. Mm-hmm. It It's all the same. It's, yeah. you know, it's in everything.
0: Yeah. The, the seeing of small globes of light, it happens in peyote ceremonies in the native American church and happens in sweat lodge ceremonies. Um, They're usually attributed to ancestor spirits, but not always. Um, in Mexico, the native population there, uh, around the mounds and the, uh, pyramids that are down in the Mexican jungle, they see the little lights there. Those are ancestor spirits, um... You know they've been seen in the Ural Mountains in Russia, and they were seen as small UFOs. They were part of a UFO thing. Um, they're seen around Native American mounds here, and they're seen as n- Native spirits. Um, we saw em, We see them in the woods all the time in Athens. You know, and different people have decided that they they are different things. You see them in haunted houses. Yeah, they. You know they're everywhere I've doing things
1: a couple times that I've never seen the lights, but I, I have to retract that now because I'm remembering a specific story. When I was 12 or 13, my parents sent me to, it was basically uh, a camp for the misunderstood art kids. Um, oh. And it was at a, uh, a college campus in North Carolina. And we stayed in dorm rooms sorry um and one night i was laying in bed looking out the window and at the my dorm um faced the parking lot going out into the main street and there was a a light um you know like a street light Around the streetlight, there were these lights, these green and red and, you know, like Timothy describes as as lights around and behind the light, the, the, the light pole. And I go and get the counselor. It's like t- 2 a.m. And I'm like, hey, I don't know like what that is, but I feel like I want to go investigate it. Can we go check it out? And he's like, oh, it's bugs. I'm like, well, come and look first before you say that. And we go outside me and like a bunch of other kids and one counselor and we go up to the light pole there's no bugs but there's no lights and then we go back to my dorm there are the lights again and I never really couldn't make sense of that and it never it, it kind of came into my mind when I was young and then it kind of disappeared and as as I've been hearing these stories about lights that memory has come back a couple times I'm like huh that I can't say that's what it was but I mean I didn't see lights you know yeah having- now, did
0: other kids see them when you yeah. went back
1: yeah when we yeah. All, we all went to my dorm and checked it out yeah. my counselor was like i don't know what that is we're all going to bed now
0: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um i've had that that exact uh response and i've been seeing them for years so You know, sometimes it's like, oh, yeah, I'm going to stand here and watch until daylight. And then other times it's like, you know what? I think it's I think it's whatever it is. It's their business. I'm not uh, I'm not mixing in. I'm going to go to sleep now and exactly stop staring. It's it's really interesting. And even my husband has seen them a few times. He doesn't remember very many of the times because he's generally not a person who sees things. He knows stuff's around and he believes me. He doesn't think I'm crazy and besides the lights that we were seeing were you know lots of people were seeing them at the same time so you know but even he's seen them and 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 he's like yeah i don't know what we were seeing and interacting with and i'm like no and none of us do <laughs> none of us do but i find it interesting that native american tradition has has mentioned it And they've, you know, they told settlers when they came, oh, those lights in the woods, yeah, don't follow those. That's not a good, not a good plan. And uh, so they're there, you know, whatever they are.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And they're in every phenomena, every subset of a phenomena. um, They're just a universal part of it.
0: Yeah, it's a their things, and I'm always curious. You know, are you know what is the composition of the soil? Is there a water source? Is there an underground water? Is there you know something different about the electromagnetic field in that area? Is there quartz in the bedrock? You know, I sit there and go through all of the geological. Possibilities and write all that down, you know. So right. kind of scientific, sciency for a witch, but you know. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm, I
1: think that there's still a place. I mean, and I've danced around this on my show, but not too much. I'm pretty open about the fact that I, the chance in my mind of Bigfoot or even cryptids. And when I say cryptids, I'm talking like Bigfoot, Dogman, Mothman, things like right. that there's such a small chance of it being a, a flesh and blood creature. Like, yes, there is a chance, but it's so, yeah. Um, and I still, with that in mind, when I go to an area, I still check to see the water source. I still, still check to see the, the size of the area I'm in, you know, mm-hmm. I'm still, I still allow myself to let the materialism come in just, just as a frame of reference. Yeah, just to be able to yeah. say like, okay, I did do some background into this, with yeah. before I went straight into the woo, I did allow yeah. some, uh, you know, official thought yeah come into my mind yeah. when I was investigating it.
0: Yeah, I think that's a a good way to to go about it. Um, you know, Bigfoot's the one of the few of the cryptids that I'm like, okay, that could be something flesh and blood. It would be cool if it was. I don't really think it's likely anymore but you know there is a part of me that's still it would be so cool um but i don't think so dog man i'm pretty much nah that's not yeah uh, unless mm-hmm. bigfoot is putting on like you know a weird like headdress thing to scare people which would be kind of cool if that mm-hmm. was a thing but you know Maybe they're a wolf shaman Bigfoot guy. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, you know, I mean, I know Timothy's talked about this and I've played around the idea of Bigfoot being a flesh and blood creature, but smart enough to have its own form of magic. And that they just basically chose magic as to as the center of their society rather than technology. Yeah. And Tim said the same thing. I think he came up with that. So I give full credit to him. But um, I love that idea. And I think that when it comes to being a flesh and blood creature, I think that's actually a pretty high possibility
0: yeah 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 if it was now mothman no way that's a flesh and blood anything no i'm sorry no
1: i think and i've talked about this with a actually um taylor bell uh who is usually on uh, where Did the road go and he does the green lion podcast he had brought up to me the idea of mothman being akin to the banshee phenomena of it you know heralding doom and so i definitely feel there's a parallel there
0: yeah, yeah, Mothi, Moffi is not a a giant bird, you know. when it When it takes off without flapping its wings, it's, it's not how birds work.
1: And I also think that the the synchronicity aspect of yeah. the paranormal really, really discounts a lot of this stuff as being just natural phenomena. Um, not, yeah. not not I shouldn't say natural phenomena, just flesh and blood phenomena because materialist, yeah, yeah, solid. And I, Always solid. You know, I, I had had a bunch of synchronicities with Hakate. And as I started working with her, I noticed that the synchronicities um, died down for a while. And I wasn't really experiencing a lot of synchronicities. And then as I started to get into traditional witchcraft, I had read uh, The Crooked Path, very good book by Celtic mm-hmm. Mercury. Um, and then I started reading... Oh, and then after that, I was like, hmm, let's watch The Witch, because I hadn't seen that in a while, and it's, really, oh, it's, a, it's I love one of my movie. favorite movies. I love that movie. And I'm like, oh, wow, they really did their research with with folklore and and the witch mm-hmm. trials and, and what those people believed at the time about witchcraft. And then I crack open the Clovenstone workings for the first time. And the first, like, top of the page on the introduction is uh, a quote from the movie The Witch. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So, like, there's more. I didn't just pick this up on a whim. There's, there's something that wants me to, to be doing this or looking into it at least. Mm -hmm. you know and i know that's pretty presumptuous but that's how i choose to look at it that when i experience these things it's something saying like okay this is the path you're on now you better keep following it i'm not gonna let you forget
0: yeah oh that's how that's how synchronicities work in general they they, you know you get whole piles of them and, and stephanie quick calls it a sink storm where you just have these sinks coming in at you so fast that it's like but but I would, uh, you know,
1: (laughs) right. (laughs) It's it's very alluring to get totally lost in it. You like, that's the biggest challenge for me is, is not letting it take over and just seeing it as, um, seeing it as a, as a road sign instead of a sign or uh, as a road sign instead of the road. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, That's a big challenge for me is not getting too swept up in the the synchronicities themselves, but getting swept up in the things that they're pointing to. The message. Yeah, exactly.
0: Don't don't confuse the message with the messenger and vice right. versa. And I,
1: you know, and that's uh, one of the things that I wanted to do when I first started the show was I wanted to see what magic and the paranormal had to do with each other. And I also wanted to see what the psychedelic phenomena and the paranormal had to do with each other and magic. And I feel that the par- the psychedelic phenomena is very much the same thing where the, the visuals you get and the hallucinations don't get so wrapped up in that you should really be trying to discern that and follow the message and not just the, the image. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. That's why, I mean, I, I've done a lot of psychedelic work. Um, I have done LSD. I prefer mushrooms.
1: See, I won't even touch LSD. I've heard, I've, I'm, I've heard so many horror stories about it that I believe that I've psyched myself up to it so much that, even like i just would have a bad experience just based on how i viewed it for so long but i love mushrooms even when i had my really really intense trip and i used to call it a bad trip it wasn't it felt bad but it, i don't consider it a bad trip um but yeah mushrooms are definitely more my taste
0: well acid's harsh it's um <sighs> The dosage is yeah. Always have to trust the chemist. The dosage is always kind of like you know, is it this or is it that? And I mean, you do still have to play with the mushrooms to figure out the dosage. And the do- each batch of mushrooms, depending upon who grow it, grew it, and where the strain going to you know? have a different effect and a different amount of the psilocybin in it. So that makes it different. But I do think the mushrooms are just much easier. Acid wasn't bad. I just, it lasts for a very long time. Yeah, that's the
1: other thing that worries me. It's like the 12-hour trip, I don't know. I do not know.
0: Well, and then you have the whole coming down off of it. And with me, I'd get all of these cramps and muscle spasms, and and I couldn't sleep, which I have insomnia anyway. But not sleeping for 24 to 36 hours is crap.
1: Isn't and it's, that, it's, that's got to be the the biggest bane of any magical practitioner who has insomnia because I too have insomnia and because <laughs> yeah. so much magic happens in our dreams. It's like, Oh God, like, you know, I need to be there, but I, you're, my body's just not letting me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That that's part of why you program your brain as carefully as possible to get it to let go and, and sleep. Um, not that I suggest you get COVID, but it did make me sleep.
1: Yeah, I I had it, anyway. <laughs> and ever
0: since I've 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 been able to sleep a lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually noticed that that I felt that my insomnia kind of lifted after I got over COVID. Actually,
0: yeah, yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, the I'm not a party person when it comes to
1: oh no, and psychedelics. I psychedelics. I
0: I go to work. It's it's work. So you know when my friends were all like, hey, let's drop in yay. Me so much fun and i'm like really i don't know because I, I know what to i'm gonna that. do
1: i had to learn <laughs> that the hard way because the first three or four times i did it was re- just a really good time and we all just had fun and then my really intense trip came and i was like oh okay so this is that th- th- when they say this is medicine this is exactly what they mean mm-hmm.
0: and
1: i try Absolutely. and tell people who are new to it or have never done it before like when you have when you start out it's gonna feel like just a casual hobby don't get fooled by that the quicker you realize it's not the better the more you'll receive from it
0: yeah yeah i you know it's basically i whenever we did mushrooms or whatever i would just go and do my own thing and i tell people where i was going i wouldn't just wander the hell off into the woods or whatever that's a bad plan yeah uh but you know they'd be playing around with, you know, trip toys and stuff, and I'd be, you know, out looking at the sky, talking to the universe. The universe is talking to me, having weird experiences, and, you know, learning things and doing things. um, Doing magic,
1: mm-hmm. which is
0: very easy to do. Um, I know people will be like, well, that's because you're high. That isn't actually why, but, you know,
1: See, I'm, um, I'm very wary about like psychedelics and magic, but the one thing that I do very much want to experiment with is psychedelics and the paranormal, in the sense that, you know, and this is risky. I know it's risky, and I and I, I heed caution whenever I can. But I gotta wonder, you know, you do mushrooms in a really high Bigfoot activity area. What's gonna so happen?
0: curious? And I am it, so it curious. Makes me wonder, like, okay,
1: so if you know how they say. And I've had this experience how animals seem to know when you're on mushrooms mm-hmm. and act differently and act more mm-hmm. intuitive towards you when you're on psychedelics. Mm-hmm. If you saw Bigfoot while you're on psych- psychedelics, is it going to notice? Is it going to react differently? How is it going to react to you? Right. One of the things right. that, um, and and I know that we kind of talked about this on Where Did the Road Go? And I completely understand um, your position. And the only reason I, I even brought it up is because of how universal it is in so many traditional schools of magic that spirits for whatever reason are sensitive to smell. Mm -hmm. And that one of the reasons why ritual magicians will bathe and abstain from sex and not eat meat is because it's out of respect for the spirit. Because for some reason when, and, and the meat thing is really interesting because you'll see these, uh, texts that say you know you can't eat meat if you want to talk to a spirit and then in the next page it'll say the spirit really likes meat offerings and that really puzzled me for a while and then i started to think about like okay so maybe it's not the meat itself but it's how when we digest it is it the the smell that comes through us that they don't like Uh, like you know how meat smells on us like you know and maybe that's what they're offended by But then that got me questioning about, like, when people have bad Bigfoot experiences or, you know, aggressive Bigfoot experiences, what did they eat that day? You know, what could have possibly, besides you being a human in their territory, was there something about your aura or your, your physical condition that offended them in some way? And if you took some of the codes and conduct of conduct of ritual magicians and applied that to Bigfoot, how would they react? A lot of what I want to do is basically just experiment with taking a set of rules from one tradition and applying it to another and just seeing what the outcome is.
0: That makes sense. Um, One of the things I always thought about with the whole, you know, you can't eat meat, blah, 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 is the bloodthirstiness of some spirits and that perhaps you don't want to eat meat and have that smell of blood on you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a very, very good point.
0: Uh, um, you know, the, even Mothman, there's a, there's a, uh, where did I read it? It wasn't keel, but there are spirits that are attracted to the scent of blood. And that is a thing with women who are menstruating that yeah, that you, can be a, a dangerous thing, you know. Yeah,
1: and think, uh, um, who's also my main teacher and mentor in magic. In the class that he was giving, it was me, three women, and uh, my old co-host Alden, and. He I think he he mentioned something about blood and, and the sensitivity to spirits about blood and how you should never mix magic and blood together as much as the the new like the left hand path really likes the idea of blood offerings. And he's like, you know, stay away from that. And they were like, well, what about the time of the month? And like, don't just don't don't even chance it because you don't know. You don't know how they're going to react to that. Um. So, yeah, there's definitely a thing about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that's also kind of where a lot of the, I mean, a lot of the traditional witchcraft beliefs back in the early modern period that were, you know, had to do with Satanism and all of that really came from the beliefs of the blood libel against the Jewish people, and before that, the Cathars and the Templars, and it, it really was just a template for making scapegoats out of people mm-hmm. by linking them with Satan. So, right. a lot of all of that blood sacrifice offering, you know, all of that. I'm I'm doing some research right now, and I'm beginning to wonder if some of it has to do with the idea of the body and blood of Christ being sacred and transubstantiation if that whole thing about blood sacrifice isn't somehow a weird inversion of the idea of the sacrament in um, Christian belief. And that's why it's always attributed to Satan. You know, throw that over there. Yeah, But at the same time, if you look at um, earlier Old Testament uh, practices of burnt offerings of, of goats or cattle or sheep, well, that's blood again. There's the blood sacrifice, which also may have been why the Christians, you know, nabbed on to that and went, ah, see, I give blood sacrifice. But then it changed and they didn't give blood sacrifice as much. So yeah, I I'm I I do wonder about that with uh spirits if you know what's what's going on in there. I actually had a really interesting um thought. I was listening to the Spirit Box podcast and he had an author on who said that he was told through his experience with the fae that the reason that they don't like humans and they don't like iron it's that we have iron in our blood
1: that's really and interesting. i i'm surprised i never thought about that
0: yeah and and so i've got i'm working on this whole blood thing you know and it's 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 percolating in my brain um there's a tradition in the Gaelic-speaking countries about um, the the fairies don't have blood; they're bloodless. The, um, and in order to be saved and go to heaven, um, they have to have enough blood to be able to write their name. Interesting. I thought that was I thought that was fascinating. Yeah, that is. So you know, I'm sitting like, is this why we kidnap children as fairies? Hmm? Well, you can poke them and have some blood. Mm -hmm. yeah we think yeah absolutely and and then we mate with the children and then we have half fairy offspring that have blood Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. maybe so yeah the whole idea of blood and spirits is that is a fraught area and it it's probably a good thing to to point out that yeah you don't play with that
1: i know that uh See, you know, Luke is my mentor in magic, and I kind of consider Timothy to be my mentor in, in the paranormal. One Bigfoot, um, but when he had his chessboard experience, as what as he calls it, mm-hmm. um, when he got blood on the stones that cut the activity completely, there was mm-hmm. no response after that. I, and he, I, he even said like he thought that when he accidentally cut himself on the stone that was going to rev up the activity and it did the exact opposite it completely killed the activity and that's a very interesting thing to note iron yeah absolutely i definitely think it has to do with it and i and, and that kind of brings up the fact that you know when you are doing ceremonial magic and you are making the the uh, not the talisman but the the seal of the spirit they're all they all have metals that correspond so you have Mm -hmm. to use um copper for some spirits uh or another metal for another spirit but you can never use iron because spirits don't like iron and that you talking about the iron in our blood that makes me think like okay well how are we able to work with them if we can't avoid that and then you know maybe that has something to do with the circle when you're doing when Mm -hmm. you're working with specifically chthonic spirits And them being not able to get into the the circle. Maybe that somehow negates the iron in our blood and they can't sense it when we're in the circle. I don't know. That's a very interesting question, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another thing. Well, my my ceremonial knife is made of obsidian and uh, an antler handle. There's no metal in it at all um in in large part because lots of how i work and what i work with are spirits and most of them if not if they're not fey they are fey adjacent so a lot of what i work with has to do with that so i I don't even use iron in a knife for that now i have plenty of you know swords and steel i'm like a sword collector. So I've got knives and swords, but I don't use them for those purposes. Um, so what would, well, salt does cleanse things.
1: Yeah. I mean, when you, um, in, in the grimoires, you know, the week or the days leading up to the actual ritual, you have to bless and consecrate your tools, the holy water, and there's a baptism of salt and the fire. Yeah. You're cleansing yeah. the this, you know, and you speak to it. You're not speaking to the salt. You're speaking to the spirits in the salt. Again, right. there's that animism that, that comes up. Um, and so you have to cleanse the salt of any negative spirits that are in it. And that's a very interesting point as well.
0: Yeah, yeah of course it's interesting that spirits have a sense of smell
1: yeah but they don't Um, have a, a good sense of um sight and yeah when they're
0: like bears that way
1: yeah and uh skinners mentioned that when when you see the grimoires that talk about wearing a crown and a lion skin belt what you can do is for some reason the spirits and when i say when i'm talking about spirits in a in a ceremonial context. i'm talking about the chthonic spirits and i know some people will call them demons i, I don't use that word not because like a respect thing i just don't think it's accurate i think it's been completely just you know that word doesn't have meaning to me anymore knowing the history of it and how the christians took daemon which traditionally in greek culture a daemon was a good spirit they were very bene- uh, you know benevolent um but you can put on a crown in the in the in the uh, the lion skin belt and you can say to the spirit i am king solomon and because of their eyesight and their inability to tell fact from fiction they have no way of knowing whether or not you are king solomon or not and so they're not going to risk it the, you know they know who solomon is they know how powerful he was and if if you're telling them that you're king solomon and they see a little shiny thing on your head they're going to correlate that to Solomon and they're just, you know, whether they believe it or not, they're not going to risk it. And that is one way to have power over the spirits.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That would work.
1: Um, Hmm. And it makes me, you know, a lot of the things that in ceremonial magic, because you're working with these and, and the, the moral aspect of the spirits you work with in the ceremonial context doesn't really apply. You're not keeping them away from you because they want your souls or they want to, you know, you know, they're after you for some malevolent moral reason. They're a lot like wild animals. You know, you're not afraid of a bear because it wants your soul. You're afraid of it because it it is natural instinct is to rip you apart. Um, And, but you still use a lot of these methods to, you know, strike fear in them or obedience or things like that. And obviously one of the big ones and ones that everyone knows is, you know, you show them the seal of Solomon and that, you know, immediately kicks them into, um, you know, not being controlled, but just, you know, settling them down and getting to them to be more workable with you. And I wonder like, what happens if, You know, you are in the woods and you see a Bigfoot and it's getting aggressive and you have a seal of Solomon on you, you know, and if you show the seal of Solomon to Bigfoot, is it going to respond? What does that denote about the nature of Bigfoot?
0: Well, you better believe in the in the seal of Solomon if you do that. Uh, You better have faith in that because otherwise. Yeah. You know. And then we then we come to the. Demi-physical or semi-physical nature of spirits that they can be they're paraphysical they're physical sometimes and then non-corporeal at other times sometimes they are clearly a being made out of energy or light or shadow you know something that is there but you can see it but it's not physically that you can sense it you can you can't touch it you can't feel it um I love the whole idea that Bigfoot is physical sometimes and then not other times. And we'll leave a clear trail of footprints all the way down uh, a field to the middle of the field and then the footprints stop. You know, it's really impressive when it's snow. <laughs> It's like, where did it go? hmm Yes. Yeah. You know, and it makes deep footprints. So it was clearly not only physical, it was large and physical. Well, what happened? <laughs> and, but, you know, the traditions talk about that. The, the old traditions say that the fairies can be physical at times, and then other times they are of finer stuff like light or air and they're not, uh, to be touched.
1: they can, they also say that fairies do not hold that, um, the size, like there are fairies, fairies that can appear as, you know, full grown humans.
0: Yes. Or, or larger or giants. Yeah, absolutely. We can make the big, small and the small, big Mm -hmm. is, is one of their famous quotes um and, and most of the time that that whole diminutive fairy thing was that's a that's a later component of the lore they were mostly maybe small-sized humans mm-hmm. um at you know at the smallest for the longest time except for leprechauns leprechauns could be you know shorter
1: i'm curious in the work that you've done with witchcraft have you found any kind of spells or ointments that allow people to physically perceive what well, maybe not sight but hearing or feeling or maybe even sight um, spirits or you know anything like that so when someone says to you like you know if you went on a ghost tw- hunt with somebody who's not magically inclined and says like you know I really wish I could see them have you found any kind of things in your practice that allow for people to see them because the reason I ask that is that there's a ton of of things in the Grimoires. Uh, There's incenses you can use. There's things that you can put over your eyes um, that allow you to see spirits. And I'm just curious, in your work, have you found anything that allows that?
0: What I have found is if you can't see them... You can sense them in another way. There are very few people who can't sense them at all, and usually, what's going on with them is they they truly don't want to. Even if they say they want to, they're they're afraid, and so even if their senses allow it, their brain almost just sort of shuts it all down and says, "Nope, nope, nope, we're not gonna we're not gonna notice that." That's too much outside of, of what we believe is real. And that's the other thing. You will get skeptics who will see things. Um, I've I've had a couple of very terrified skeptics, you know, seeing little weird lights in the woods right alongside me going, I've never seen anything like that before. Oh, my God, what is that? I'm like, well, you know, we don't know. But yeah, we're going to give it a... Uh, offering anyway because we don't know what it is um and you know they 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 go into a state of shock so sometimes i think people don't see things because it kind of protects them but when they can't see they can often hear and what i've tended to do is i've tended what i've found to work is making an amulet and empowering it so that a person can safely sense the other. Um, And if I can get them to empower it with me so that their belief is in there, their energy is in it, it really seems to help. Um, Honestly, hypnosis works really well. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I've wanted to do hypnosis. Uh,
0: <laughs> hypnosis works really, really well to get people to to at least start to see or sense things. And usually, once you start the process, and and something happens, more will come. Um, but herbal teas, ointments—I've never really. I don't trust all of the the old stuff because I don't. I don't know. Some of the some of the ingredients are semi poisonous, and so I am kind of like, mm, no, I am not doing that. Um, but yeah, I I think generally hyp- hypnotic suggestion works really really well, and um, empowering an object that they carry with them works extremely well um i'm not a person who like you know this crystal does that and that crystal does the other thing and this one is what you use for that i'm pretty uh open-minded in in many ways but i'm kind of like yeah okay so long as it holds a charge that's what i care about so so long as this person holds this and believes it keeps them safe, it's going to keep them safe. I'm very, very practical.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So
0: yeah, that's, that's, that's what I've done with people. That's awesome. Um, Also, musicians and singers, if they can't see something, they can almost always hear something
1: i I think I fall into that category because I am a musician, and i when I've been out in the woods or anything like that, I've definitely heard things, but yeah. sight has never been my strong suit.
0: The musicians and singers tend to hear things and not see them
1: yeah they, I definitely agree with that
0: so um you might work at that since you're a musician
1: yeah um. The one thing that uh one of the uh books that I'm interviewing the author for, she recommends when you do your meditations to hit like do an audio recording on your phone or like on an audio device while you're meditating and see if like you can pick up anything that way. And I thought that was a really right. cool idea. I never even thought of doing that.
0: Yeah. You know, one of the Well, the only quote-unquote Bigfoot experience I've ever had. um, My husband had his recording studio set up. He could have run right up and stuck a microphone out the window of our house and picked up the sound, but it was so overwhelmingly horrifying to us. (laughs) He didn't even think of it until later. (laughs) It was just the howls were so... They, you know, they almost shook your sternum, you know, just just the deep basso profundo sound of them. And, and they were just so riveting that, you know, neither of us really thought to, you know, hey, dude, you've got your microphone. Go turn it on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. i never, you know, you ever think re- of doing that unless you're already doing it and it starts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it, it you know. You know, he's he's regretted it ever since. But I I was like, dude, that was just... Nobody expects that. Nobody. That was just horrifying.
1: Yeah. Um, The audio that I've... Well, I haven't recorded... I mean, I haven't recorded it. Timothy recorded it that day at Kazoos. That was just so... I can't even explain to you what that felt like. Because it wasn't... When people hear knocks in the woods, they hear them, but they... And you can kind of interact with them. But I've never heard of anyone experiencing what we experienced that day, where it followed us. It responded exactly to Timothy's knocks when he asked for it to do a certain kind of knock. It did it. It was... Just really surreal, that whole day was very surreal, yeah,
0: and you know Gazoo's woods you can see through that's you know that's the activity that the weird activity, the place where Zach and I were living here in Athens was the same way. The woods were the same way, it was a very narrow strip of woods, and it it wasn't even an entire acre of woods, right most of the acreage we had around that house was field. So it was this small amount of woods, but people would go walking in it and get lost. But there was really no way to get lost. You know, um, you would have weird fogs come up in those woods that made them look bigger. I, that place was just really strange. Um, And yes, so when he talks about Gazoo's Woods, I'm like, oh, I understand about stuff. You know, you should be able to see it, but you can't because whatever it is, is invisible. (laughs) It has nothing to do with anything else but that. And there are
1: houses all over that property. And it would, I desperately want to go knocking on some of those doors and ask, but I know I'll never get anything. I know almost certainly that they're not going to talk about it.
0: No, if if they've experienced something, unless they know you, they probably won't talk about it. It's just, that's just, no, that's not going to happen. Have you heard,
1: um, I've only heard this a couple times, have you heard that Bigfoot tend to be more vocal in the west and central part of the country, but on the east coast, the researchers here don't get as much of the vocalizations?
0: Huh, you know, I can see that, but, you know, there's plenty of people recording weird howls in um, Ohio and West Virginia yeah, and Pennsylvania. So, I I mean, that might be true, but statistically, unless I had my friend Chris, you know, running the statistics on that, I, I don't know if I'd believe it because I've heard too many weird recordings out of, you know ohio pennsylvania and west virginia that sort of tri-state region um to be sure about
1: that yeah uh now the one thing that i really want to experiment with and i don't quite know i mean i do kind of know how um and in your own experiences with spirits you know with the grimoires they say that the the spirits in there they can only really be contacted at certain hours on certain days and it corresponds to the planetary hours and days. Um, and I'm curious that is that ever, has there been any kind of time sensitivity with the spirits that you interact with where there are some that only come out at certain times and others that come out at certain times, or has it just, has that never, has that not really applied? I know that you're the one doing the interview, but I'm just curious. I know you've had more experiences no, than I have. so
0: No, I, I don't mind you asking. Um, what we noticed and when we, both houses that we lived close to the woods in the woods. Um, Right now we have woods that surround us, but you can't really go into them because it's, you know, it's these sheer drop off ravines, lots of rocks. And, you know, Chad says, I want to go out into your woods. I'm like, well, okay, you, you do that. um, And I'll hang out with nine one one ready to dial after you fall and break your leg (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, we noticed that the phase of the moon mattered. If it was closer to the full moon, activity would ramp up. And it would generally be more positive. Like, it would be less nerve-wracking. But when it was the waning moon to the dark of moon, then it was chancy. Then was when we, you know, had things, the the big shadowy things in the trees and trees moving when there wasn't, um, wind, there was no breeze to move them. That was, and, and we were just kind of like, yeah, we're not going out now. That's, that's a bad choice. Uh, that's, that's been the time factor that we noticed. So, that's yeah. Funny. And that's been three or four houses we've lived close to or in the woods.
1: That's, that's interesting. When I first got into, uh, actually investigating Bigfoot, that was probably the summer of 2019. Um, I had the idea of going, looking for Bigfoot on a full moon. And I remember, yeah, I messaged Bobo from finding Bigfoot. And I asked him, you know, what do you think of this? Have you had any experience with Bigfoot on, you know, different phases of the moon? And he said, full moon, you're not going to get anything. The The brighter it is at night, the less they're going to come out. And he was doing it from a purely, materialist mindset that just the the brightness of the moon dictates when they will will come out and when they you know when you'll get activity and when you won't but i i wonder if there's anything esoteric about that if maybe for some reason the full moon has something to do with them on that level or if they prefer the the waning moon or the new moon or you know things like that
0: yeah and there's yeah there's really not much way to figure that out except through statistical analysis of the moon yeah. phase when you have you know a database of, of Bigfoot sightings for example if they give the date the exact date you can then look up the phase of the moon and then do a statistical analysis Great. on that and, and that's why thing. yeah yeah that, and that's why I have my friend Chris with his you know computer skills uh, because I'm I, I'm not good at that stuff, but um, that is something that I have wondered about Bigfoot. I've wondered about UFOs for, you know, phase of the moon, phase of the sun, sun sunspot activity. (sighs) Not that I've caught, but, you know, some of the more spectacular UFO sightings I've had have been On full moon nights, so... Who knows? I don't... I don't know. And I haven't had that many, but... Yeah. it. Most of mine are lights in the sky anyway.
1: Yeah. I haven't had anything. Like, when it comes to stuff in the sky, I have had zilch.
0: Yeah. Zach says he can't even see that far up. So, you know, I, I can't even take him for, you know, meteor showers. Because his eyesight is is so wonky and uh, he's he's like, Well, if I if I can't see a meteor, I'm not gonna see a freaking UFO. Right. So you know. Um, when you so you've never seen a, a UFO no. kind of thing.
1: Not even no, not anything no. even adjacent. Except for maybe like satellites.
0: Hmm. Yeah, well, those are pretty easy yeah. to tell. They go in a straight line. Um. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Uh, so how have you, like, have you gone, sort of ghost hunting with your with your spirit, uh, sort of mindset? So this is the problem. Magical mindset. And this is the
1: thing that I have been uh, lamenting since I started the show: is I cannot get anybody except for Timothy to go out with me. So. Oh, huh. and I, I know better to go by myself because yeah, even though I know choice. I would probably get a result or some kind of activity, I just don't. I just don't tra- chance it because. And then you have the fallibility. You know, if it's just me, I have no one to check me. Yeah, and so yeah. I really want to find someone that you know is into this in the same way that I am, or at least willing to go out on a regular basis and has the time to do so. So that way I can actually start putting some of these experiments into practice and not just theorizing. Right. Cause that's the problem is like, I would love to do on-site shows where I do some magic in the woods and see what we get. I just haven't had anybody to go out with to, to do it. Yeah. I've, con- uh. I've thought about maybe contacting some of the local ghost hunting groups in Maryland, but the problem is um, they're hard to find. Because all their websites are outdated; they're probably not even around anymore. Or the ones that have oh, like Facebook that groups, sucks. they they go out with themselves. They don't really bring other people in because they have co- protocols and they have you know things that they do uh, that they just don't want any interference with. And so I respect. Them. I don't. Right. I don't try and you know barge my way in there but it is frustrating because I know that there are groups that go out and I would like to go out with them. It's just, would they be willing to let me experiment in the way that I want to, or would that challenge them too much?
0: Yeah. Huh?
1: If you know any Maryland or, you know, yeah Maryland or Virginia or anything like that, ghost hunters or groups that would be willing to uh, let me come out and try some spooky, you know, some weird magical, magical stuff with them. I'd be all for it.
0: Okay, well, I'll check around and see see what I can, you know, rustle up for you. Because I do know quite a few people now. Yeah, that you know. Oh, I didn't know you did that. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know you did that. Right. <laughs> um, so have you? Okay, so do you do any divination?
1: I have just, within the last month, begun my journey into tarot. I. And we'll... attempted to understand the runes but I have not figured that out yet because
0: uh ru- runes are they're they're kind of uh they're not easy yeah they're they're not transparent right they're yeah they're not uh that's a that's a case of of first you have to memorize and then you have to listen and, and the the magic of the Norse paths are... It's not easy. It's it's really not. And um, I completely
1: understand why the neo-pagans kind of avoid it. Because it is difficult.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Save, save is the one that I did practice. And I, I wasn't all that great at it. So I didn't really keep
1: up with and that's it. That's kind of like a closed practice. I mean, especially in their culture. You know, men weren't, weren't yeah. really allowed to do that. That was only a woman... Practice, and I—I I, I mean, I don't know if it, if that is upheld today in the circles that do practice it. But I mean, if it is, I'm not going to try and barge my way in there as a you know uh, some white dude. But um, yeah. So yeah, a lot of these things, I, I <laughs> I've basically spent the the whole year of 2022 with a list of experiments that I want to try. And I'm really hoping that 2023 I am able to implement some of these things and I can actually start reporting back to my listeners saying like, Hey, you know, these things I've been talking about for a year, this is what it's like when I actually try them out.
0: That would be cool. Yeah, that would definitely be cool. So how, which tarot deck are you using?
1: Right or wait, just starting out with that.
0: Okay. That's that's the one you should start out with. It's the easiest one. Yeah. Am I well, wrong I do know someone understanding in...
1: that pretty much all the tarot decks they mean the same things. They just change out the archetypes and the imagery. Or are there actually different meanings to each deck?
0: <laughs> well, that depends on how you read. If you read and use the traditional meanings exclusively, then most of the decks, if they're based on the the Rider Waite Smith deck are going to read for this, the same way for you. But if you read intuitively by letting the symbolism essentially speak to you, then they're going to read differently because the different artistic uh, styles are going to interact with your subconscious mind and your conscious mind differently. Because, you know, if there's a deck and you don't like the art, you're not going to get good readings from it. Because your mind, your conscious mind is going to be going, Ew, I don't like it. It's ugly. You know, why are the colors so muddy? Oh my God. You know, and so you're not going to like it. And, but if it's something that you really are called to the symbols, even if you don't understand them yet, that's going to work way, way better with you. Um I always taught people to do it intuitively. Yeah, that's just how I teach. Um and it it's, you know, I've been able to teach if you're a poet or a musician or an artist, I've never had problems teaching people how to use tarot. Yeah. But it's it's I say it's not really magical in the sense of, you know, the cards themselves are magic like the paper is magic. Yeah, you should cleanse them and yeah, you should, you know, you know, not spill stuff on them and you know, don't be a But it the they themselves are not magic. It is the images on them that are magic yeah. and they're only not even magic. They're their psychology. Right. Yeah. And so yeah, it's 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 a very very good practice and it does help I think with gaining sensitivity to your um, magical surroundings to use it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think using a tarot deck while on a Bigfoot investigation or a ghost hunt could yield some pretty interesting results.
0: Yeah, that's one of the things I've been thinking of doing is, um, you know, taking a deck around with me and, you know, plopping myself down in different areas and seeing what I can pull out of the, essentially the, um, atmosphere, the environment and see if I can get anything.
1: Yeah. I think that's a really good idea. That's something I definitely would like to experiment with as well.
0: And you can always use the cards to, um, enhance your meditation as yeah. well.
1: Yeah. yeah,
0: That does help. And it might help with your dream work as well.
1: Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I'm definitely into, yeah. you know, dreams. I know that like a lot of people, they get very weird, you know, not weirded out, but they worry about focusing too much on dreams in the paranormal because you have a lot of people saying, well, it's just dreams, you know. Um, but I definitely feel that, you know, coming from a magical background as well as a paranormal one, I think that there's a lot that can be said for dreams as a communication tool.
0: Oh, Yeah. Even if all you're communicating with is your subconscious mind, that's still valuable. Um, but I also am very much of the belief that you you are also communicating with the environment around you. You're communicating with the spirit realm around you. It's such a cute kitty. This is a
1: pancake. We just got her.
0: Oh, oh she is really yeah, cute. Yeah, I know.
1: I don't know what she is. She's a, she's a little street kitty. Uh, we think she's probably, she, she almost looks lo- like a lynx.
0: Yeah. She's like a yeah. She's period. really pretty. Yeah,
1: she's very cute.
0: So yeah, even if you're just talking essentially, even if it's your subconscious mind and conscious mind, having a discussion, that's still valuable. You got to know your inside and outside to practice magic. well, and safely because sometimes if you are raising energy and focusing it on a specific purpose if your subconscious mind is not on board you know and your conscious mind thinks it's doing something half your brain is going to be off over here going no we're not going to do that we're going to do this so, knowing yourself, that's why, you know, the, the Oracle of Delphi over its arch said know thyself. That's the, that's probably the best thing a magical practitioner can do is to know themselves very well. Yeah,
1: I absolutely agree with that.
0: Well, we've been talking for two hours. Yes, we have. <laughs> so, maybe we should stop yeah. at some point. No, that's okay.
1: <laughs>
0: You're always welcome. You're always welcome Thank back. you
1: so much. And as are you. Hecate, mistress of the moon, I do invoke thee. Thou lady of midnight, mistress of the moon, I do invoke thee, O thou Hecate.